Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Center of the Galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for, you guessed it, another edition of Spotlight Star Wars. Last week we talked about the names in Rogue One, and during the week, maybe we learned those weren't all the names. But there's going to be more about that, I'm not going to discuss it here. Tune into Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa, and myself break down some of that uh, uh, denials or distractions of uh, that leak. 
of the Rogue One visual story guide that we talked about last week. I still think some of the names might end up being mostly true, but we get into that more in Force Center. I'm not going to take that away from the big show. Tune into that. Hits the streets Tuesday morning for you Force Center subscribers. Uh, More Rogue One stuff came out, though, with that uh, fancy new... Star Wars Celebrations poster that came out. Uh, the one that a lot of people are uh, they're, they're really excited about. And it's good, man. It, it is poster worthy. By that I mean I would, I would hang it in my room if I had the space. I don't really have the space. Um, but, uh, you know, I would do it. And I'm sure a lot of you out there would too. How many Star Wars posters do you have in your room? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking right now. I'm counting. I actually don't have as, uh, as many as you'd think because of too many, uh, <laughs> too many of these Star Wars toys. I do have a nice Star Wars alphabet poster that my friend Matt Key got me as, as a birthday gift. It is the alphabet in Star Wars characters or vehicles or weapons, and you have to kind of guess which one it is. So the key is to complete it is you must know who Zuckus is. If you if you don't, you you're not gonna win this contest. No, you're Zuckus, people. That Star Wars Celebrations poster revealed some things, and they were later confirmed on the Star Wars show on the official Star Wars YouTube channel, which I watch every week. Uh, and uh, we now know they're definitely Death Troopers, which we kind of thought. And uh, we now know there are Shore Troopers. They're like. Uh, they're they're dudes, uh, they're dudes and ladies in stormtrooper uh, gear, but they look like they're ready for the beach. Um, where were those on Tatooine? I guess shore troopers is not sand troopers, which is a thing. Um, but that's it's not a problem I'm having with Rogue One. It's a being slightly amused as a nerdy Star Wars fan, uh, a super nerdy Star Wars fan, when it's like, all right, Rogue One, by all accounts, takes place months, weeks, days, perhaps even minutes before Star Wars A New Hope. So if there's shore troopers and U-wings and TIE strikers and death troopers and all these things that we didn't see in, in A New Hope, uh, where did they go? Now you're saying, Ken, uh, aren't you the person who says you got to realize that George didn't understand the full scope of what he was creating back in the mid-70s? And if he had known that some other people were going to make a movie taking place minutes before Episode 4, he might have included said shore troopers if he, if he knew they were going to exist 40 years later. You're right. I'm crawling into that Star Wars nerd bubble. And you know what? I like these new vehicles. I like these new things. And I get it. I get it. New Hope didn't take place on a beach planet. And that's the thing. Is it, is it going to be a beach planet? I think, it's my, uh, I think it was my good friend John Rocco who said, wouldn't it be nice if we actually got a planet in these new movies, maybe even Episode Eight, that had different areas on it. That we don't just need a sand planet and a forest planet and a snow planet, but maybe a planet with a lot of different aspects to it just on that planet. Uh, I do like that the uh, Shore Troopers are in existence. Uh, I'm being, again, overly critical. 
Just wonder where they went. Where did that TIE striker go? If that's a real thing in Rogue One, where's it going to go? Just a few days later, time of new hope. I'm really being super nerdy today, aren't I? The final thing I want to talk about is the uh, the new walkers. When we saw that Rogue One trailer, we went, ooh, AT-ATs, or AT-ATs, or Imperial Walkers, whatever you want to call them. Doesn't matter. They were in the trailer. We all got excited. But then, closer inspection, well, those legs look a little longer. There's different you know, weaponry on the walker, and there's, like, a different side thing. Oh, it's a new vehicle. A new vehicle to collect, purchase, and display. That's the way I look at it, because that's what's going to happen. Staring right now at my uh, Imperial Walker Lego set that's in my room. Uh, they are called ATACTs, and you'd better damn well believe I'm going to call them ATX. All right, I don't care. No, I don't call it an ATSIT for the ATSTs. I call those ATSTs or Chicken Walkers, which is what they also were called a little bit in the late '80s for some sets. Adats or Adats, kids. And welcome to the party, Adax. All terrain armored cargo transport. Interesting, though, that the cargo transports, I doubt they would be sent into direct combat. Follow me here. The AT-ATs, for all you young kids and those who are stubborn, just like I'm stubborn in the other direction. The all-terrain armored transports, they're definitely for carrying troops into battle, but that's the thing, carrying troops into battle. And then the walkers themselves are a pretty powerful weapon. They can take out shield generators with one well-placed shot. Good job, General Veers. So it makes sense that they, they would go into battle. Walkers on the North Ridge... There's a reason that there's five walkers heading towards the rebel base. Makes sense. But an all-terrain armored cargo transport. When I when I think cargo, I'm thinking of, I don't think of vehicles. It's not like they got a bunch of speeder bikes in there. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm taking the term cargo sort of literally, or going in the direction of, of shipping freights, as if the Empire is shipping supplies, food, toiletries. That's right, stormtroopers need toiletries on the front lines. Maybe that stuff is going. Some Imperial trading's going on, I don't know, and they need them to be armored because there's rapscallion rebe- rebels around and other opposing forces. I just can't imagine them going into battle. Unless, of course, there is 50 speeder bikes sitting in there, ready to go. That makes some sense. But even then, to me, you could just use a regular walker. I like the different forms of walkers. I can get behind that as well. I do like the, um, God, what are they? Are they the AT-KTs or whatever they are. The ones that are appeared in the Star Wars Rebels that are more uh, like the precursor to the uh, ATSDs. Um, have one cannon underneath, they're kind of slimmer, maybe one person can drive them. I like those. It's reminiscent of the uh, what the clone troopers had in Revenge of the Sith, the little personal walkers that were exposed. Uh, doesn't seem like a good way to fight, but um, 
supplement to the infantry on the front lines. I like it. So I love that there's different walkers. I, I love that there's tie strikers and short troopers and biker scouts. I, I love all that. I, I'm kidding about them needing to appear in New Hope, of course. But yeah, I'm almost I'm overanalyzing these walkers because I know we all are. We all want to analyze them. What are they transporting? Is it key to the rebels? In that scene in the trailer, are the rebels running away from something bigger and badder? And the the walkers just happen to be there? Are they running towards the walkers? Maybe there's some cargo on those armored cargo transports that our burgeoning rebel force needs. I don't necessarily think plans, but it could be. Could be something on there. Or it's just a cool action set piece, and I'm overanalyzing it. But do you do you want me to not overanalyze it? Isn't that why we have Star Wars podcasts? To overanalyze the Imperial battle strategies and whether or not they'd send an all-terrain armored cargo transport into battle? Isn't it just easier to say Adax? You know it is. Jennifer Land on her YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out, our co-host on Jedi uh, Jedi Beat, her show, and again, our co-host on Force Center. Uh, go to her YouTube channel, channel Jennifer Land. She breaks down this a little bit more. She talks about the spelling of the Shore Troopers and the Death Troopers and the Clone Troopers. It's interesting, and uh, she goes into the Walkers as well. I think she's trying to say AT, ACTs. It's just a mouthful. Adax. You know you all want to say Adax with me. Even if you see say AT-ATs and that's all you do, you know Adax sounds pretty cool. Or it just sounds like I have some kind of speech impediment. Adax. Sounds like I'm Admiral Akbar. Adax. It's an Adax. I think I'm off the rails here today on this show, huh? I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. I'm like a Han Solo flying a Millennium Falcon into a trench run where he can't fit, so he shoots randomly from above but hits his target. Does Han get enough credit for that? I'm thinking about that. Does Han, yeah, he won a medal. He won a medal. I guess you're right. He got a medal for coming back and saving the day. But Force, uh, all the Force Luke Skywalker had on his side... He still needed that scoundrel to come back and save the day. Otherwise, he might have been blown out of the space. Blown out of space. Han saves the day. Chewie saves the day. But, uh, yeah, he got a medal. But you needed that. I get, was it the force? Was it the force saying, don't worry, kid. This scoundrel's going to come back. It's all part of a bigger plan. Is it destiny versus free will? We've had that conversation on Force Center with me, Joseph Scrimshaw, and John Roca. Was it fate that led Han Solo back to the Death Star to save Luke Skywalker so he could yell, you're all clear, kid, let's blow this thing so we can go home? Or was, was that free will by the scoundrel-turned-rebel hero, Han Solo? I'll leave that to you guys. I got lost in a little bit of a rabbit hole on YouTube last night watching deleted scenes from the prequels. I've seen some of these before. You've seen some of these before. Um, I think uh, perhaps the most, uh, I don't want to say famous, but one of the most known or uh, well-liked deleted scenes is that of the Jedi Shock T captured and killed by General Grievous on his Starship at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Not included in the movie, and oddly enough, uh, no, not canon. 
Shakti is still alive in uh, other forms of Star Wars storytelling. Um, but um, it's not canon, not included in the movie. And sometimes that's a big debate. Because the director cut it, does that erase the scene entirely? Or the fact that we know it exists and it's part of a bigger story, i.e. maybe appears in the novelization of one of the movies, do we count it? There's stuff in the Force Awakens novelization by Alan Dean Foster that I kind of want to count as canon, even though it's not in the movie. Unkar Plot getting his arm ripped off by Chewbacca on Takadana, I kind of count that. Um, the snow speeder chase that uh, goes on um, on Starkiller Base, a speeder chase where Finn and Ray are being chased by some First Order stormtroopers. It's not in the movie, but we have toys of it, even little figurines, and it's in the book. And you have a weird, odd cut because Ray has Finn's jacket in the movie, and then suddenly she doesn't in that exchange. That, that exchange of the jacket happened. During that chase. So do we not count that? Or do we just think Finn and Ray stole a speeder and went unmolested to the, uh, the area where uh, Han would eventually lose his life? I kind of accept that chase is canon because it would make sense, even though we didn't see it. But I read it. Same with Unkar Plot. But a lot of the stuff in these uh, the prequels, it's, it's up for grabs. Whether or not you believe it or not. Or whether you want to accept it. The shock T death, to me, we can't accept because it was a completely reshot scene. It wasn't just a deleted scene. If you watch it, and I suggest you do, go to YouTube, the magic box that YouTube is, and you can find Revenge of the Sith deleted scenes and Phantom Menace deleted scenes and Attack of the Clones deleted scenes. And um, it's an interesting choice that they made, Lucas himself. Grievous, as we've discussed before, doesn't get a fair shake. I think he's a good character and well-designed, looks menacing, fits the Star Wars part, but we all know him as a hacking, coughing, wheezing, kind of useless villain. Serves his purpose, but he's gone too soon and gone too easily, and he never was a threat. Well, in this version, he was a threat. Because right before our eyes, he kills a Jedi who he had captured on the command ship. Obi-Wan and Anakin react to it. And then they go into uh, an escape mode. But some of the dialogue is uh, same or similar or, or fits the purpose of the scene that we do see in the movie when Han, uh, excuse me, Anakin and Obi-Wan are captured. Ray shields or whatever it is, and then they're taken to General Grievous and some of the stuff uh, that they talk about there. I uh, expected you to be taller. Ooh, the negotiator, all that stuff. Uh, not the best scene, um, but uh, so it's, so it's so much not so much as a deleted scene, but an alternate scene, an alternate take on it. So they didn't use that. So we have to accept that that scene just doesn't exist. We shouldn't have seen it. Doesn't exist. Shakti's still alive in canon, or at that point in the story. Wasn't involved in the rescue of Palpatine. I wish, though, it did appear in some form or another. I wish one Jedi went down, and not out in the way that Kit Fisto and the other Jedi went so easily against Palpatine later on. It definitely 
in terms of storytelling, would have helped if Grievous had some edge to him. We've seen Obi-Wan get cut down. We've seen Darth Vader uh, get the shock as he threw the Emperor away and over down the shaft. But we've never really seen on screen a Jedi pay the ultimate price. The Attack the Clone stuff, yeah, but you don't really concentrate on that, the stuff that's going on in the background um, in the arena fight. But to see something that close, Shakti's on her knees, she's captured. Grievous sticks a lightsaber through her back and out her chest, kills her. She falls over. Now, Anakin and Obi-Wan have an odd reaction if you watch the scene. If that had made it in the movie, they basically are like, mm, well, that sucks. What are we going to do? And they go into this comical, bad comedy scene where they're giving each other signs. Like they're baseball coaches. Anakin's like, well, what if we do this? Uh, touch my nose, mouth, ear, tug, tug. You know, Obi-Wan says, no, no, no. What if we do this? Uh, furls his mustache. Mm, and... Anakin says, well, what about this? Did, uh, oh, yes, I like that. And they agree on their plan, and they uh, cut a floor, a hole in the floor with their lightsabers, and they drop to safety. It's a, it's a Watch it if you haven't seen it. If that had made it into the... That might have been one of the worst things in the prequels. Shock T is killed right before their eyes, and I know Jedi's are in control of their emotions, they're surrounded by General Grievous, some Magna Guards, and some uh, droids, and uh, heavy droids. And they're give, comically giving signs. They're just comically going into some who's on first routine almost or something. Like, it's a bad comedy. And everyone's just watching them, as if they couldn't figure it out, as, as if Grievous couldn't be like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're, <coughs> I know what you're doing. That's a bad Grievous. It's a bad scene. But I like this, I, I, and not that I'm rooting against Shakti, by the way. If, if you're a fan of Shakti, God bless her, glad she survived. Um, but I wish someone was there. Some Jedi was there. It paid the price. It would have added a little bit. Not that we would ever think that Grievous would win in a fight with Anakin and Obi-Wan, because we know what happens, but just a little bit of weight to Grievous would have been nice. I watched all these other scenes and some of the other stuff that was um, infamously not included in Revenge of the Sith is a, is a lot more the politics. I think by now they realized, uh, oh, the fans didn't really like the politics, and we had enough of that already. So there is the basically a lot of stuff that's the formation of the rebellion in in the Star Wars world. It's Bail Organa, Padme, uh, Bai Ling is in there. This is the the role that she was kind of uh, famously cut from the movie, and some people thought it's because she posed a nude, and Lucas wanted her out of the movie. Lucasfilm always said no, that wasn't the case. And then there was Mon Mothma, who's uh, the same actress who's going to appear in Rogue One, which is great. And there's a couple scenes they're hanging around talking in, in, in Bail Organa's apartment and Padme's apartment. They're talking about the votes and this and starting, basically starting the Rebel Alliance. That uh, we're not uh, we're not trying to be a new separatist. We're trying to save and preserve what we have now. It's key stuff in the Star Wars story. And I, I had seen it, I've seen clips of it, I've seen videos of it, but I haven't, I haven't really sat down to watch it in a while. And when I went down this rabbit hole last night for these deleted scenes, I watched them. 
And I'm so glad these scenes didn't appear in Revenge of the Sith. I would have been okay with some part of the story. It made sense, and I remember when Sith ended, I felt like a lot of fans, that I was good, it was in the right direction. But there was a lot more stuff going on. Like, it just seemed weird that we didn't get a lot of these answers. We knew Mon Mothma was supposed to be in the movie in some form, and we didn't really get that. Um... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So, I'm always a little disappointed that that storyline didn't appear in some way in Revenge of the Sith. But seeing the scenes, and they're not finished scenes, so maybe they're takes that would they could have reshot it, and the acting could have been better. But they are bad scenes. 
There's no action to it. They're literally sitting. They're not even like secretly sitting around. They're like, we're just here having tea in an apartment talking freely about this stuff. Um, with considering with what was going on in the story at the time and the end of the war and the vote and all that and, and Obi-Wan chasing down Grievous and all this stuff going on. Um, it just, it felt out of place. It would have felt out of place. Again, if they'd gone with just these scenes. So I, I suggest you check it out and render your opinion. Did Sith need that? Did it need a little bit more of the political discussion about the start of the rebellion? Or are you glad they waited and that we just know that the rebellion started later on now? But Bail Organa's key, and it makes sense. Mon Mothma's there, and it makes sense. Bai Ling's there, and it doesn't make any sense. And she's actually fine. There's some other actors in the scene. It's just it's an awkward, clunky scene, as you would imagine, with some Lucas dialogue. Um... But by language, good. And I, and upon seeing him, I can see, though, where I now finally believe Lucasfilm saying, no, we, we didn't cut her because she was post-nude. We cut her because the scenes didn't belong in the movie. Um, check them out. There's a lot of stuff there. Uh, there's some stuff from Attack of the Clones. Again, I don't know why. I, I'd seen him, seen clips, seen videos, whatever, but you just sometimes don't pay attention. And there was a period of time where, like a lot of Star Wars fans, I was trying to distance myself from the prequels before I could maybe come to appreciate them like I do now. But even then... You know, they're not perfect movies. And seeing this stuff reminds me, not perfect movies. It is the stuff where Anakin and Padme go back to her family home, the Naberi home on Naboo. And they go back in the movie to, to a point, and you see some of it, and that's kind of where they're getting married and all the stuff at the end of Attack of Clones. But you don't see her family. And again, as fans, we knew her family had been cast. We saw this stuff. Her sister, uh, mother, father, some other relatives. And they appear in the movie, I think they, re- they appear in Sith in some form at her funeral, I believe. But in Attack of the Clones, cut, gone. And let me tell you. If you want to watch some awkward Star Wars scenes, do yourself a favor. Go find these Attack of the Clones deleted scenes if you've never watched them. Grab some popcorn because it's going to be fun. It is cringeworthy. Natalie Portman's a good actress. No doubt about that. Closer. Black Swan. Leon. Uh, Beautiful girls. Uh, She was very young in that movie, but great actress. Uh, I'm a fan of her work. I still like her as Padme. I, get, I can get behind it. She looks the part. Um, but no secret, she wasn't too thrilled with these movies, it seems. Well, that might be a secret, but she's never publicly really admitted that. But you can kind of infer. And then there's some stories about her not being the nicest person on set, which might have been why they diminished her character later on. Read more about that in How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by Chris Taylor. Uh, but these scenes are cringeworthy. She brings Anakin home. Her family's like, ooh, they literally, her, they literally say, her sister says, Padme's never brought a boyfriend home. And Anakin blushes. She's like, he's not my boyfriend. He's a Jedi set to protect me. It's horrible. Horrible stuff. And then uh, Padme's father's like, at the dinner table, is she in danger? And Anakin, poor Hayden Christensen, not his fault. Anakin goes, yes. She's in Grave danger. Paraphrasing at this point. Right in front of everybody. And, and like it's like, oh, okay, well, let's continue eating dinner. And then they cut to this horrible scene where Mr. Nabiri and Anakin are walking. 
outside the house, like a little stroll. Let's go outside like gentlemen and have a discussion. And the father's doing this, like, how serious is this? Is she under attack? And Anakin's like, there's been two attempts on her life. No emotion. Come on, Anakin. No emotion. There's just been, there's been two attempts on her life. Not even softening the blow because, you know, talking to the father outside. And while this is going on, Padme's in the kitchen with her mother and sister. Where the women should be, apparently, in the Star Wars galaxy. And, and, and they're kind of... Kind of riding her a little bit about, oh, Anakin likes you. Oh, he likes you. He's staring at you. No worry. No worry by her mother or sister about the grave danger that Anakin has just proclaimed that she's in. None of that. They're just cleaning the dishes going, I don't know. I think that Annie's pretty sweet on you. And Padme's like, no, he's just a boy. It is awkward. Painfully awkward. So glad that didn't get into the movie. It's not finished again. Maybe they could have gone back and reshot it. Maybe we're seeing rehearsal footage. We're not, but maybe. I'm trying to be nice here. Check it out if you haven't. Just when I thought I was on board to appreciate the prequels, I see those scenes, and now I'm, now I'm questioning myself again. I need Joseph Scrimshaw to guide me through the deleted scene mess. But again, they're deleted scenes. They didn't make the movie. And sometimes we get all hyped up. We get all hyped up about deleted scenes. Kylo Ren on the Millennium Falcon must see that. I was one of those people. I read it in the Star Wars novelization. And it was like, yes, why wasn't this in the movie? Then I saw the scene. I'm like, well, that didn't play well. That was anticlimactic. There was no drama in it. That's not how I interpreted it while reading the book. And you realize... Maybe the director made the right choice. I kind of like J.J. Abrams, who, when he says, I, I, I like him, <laughs> I support him when he says uh, he's not a director uh, much for director's cuts and alternate endings and any, any of those kind of things. He he just kind of likes um, the movie is finished and it's, a, it a, it's as is. And I, I like that. It, it's fun. I, I can... Uh, I can get behind, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings extended editions and everything. But that seems different. It almost seems intentional. And Peter Jackson made those movies to be giant, sprawling epics. And it made sense there to cut them. But parts of the stories, he did it in a way that this stuff still mattered. Revenge of the Sith was done in a way that those scenes weren't needed. We kind of knew that they went and they could have been executed better. Uh, again, I would have liked to seen the formation, or at least the beginning discussions of the formation of the rebellion. Um, but they weren't executed well enough to be in the movie, and I'm fine with that. Grievous didn't kill Shock T. Grievous didn't kill anybody. But the scene itself, glad it's not in there. Same with the Attack of the Clone stuff. Rarely do I see now a deleted scene that I go, ah, well, that should have been in there. Maybe it's uh, chicken or egg. If the scene had been in the movie, I'd be saying, well, that was a key scene. We definitely needed it. Sometimes this happens with Game of Thrones. They'll release some scenes at the end of the season or on the DVDs, Blu-rays from the previous season. You go, oh, deleted scenes, and you watch and be like, mm, that shouldn't have been in there. But there's some cool stuff. There's a great scene with Tywin Lannister and Grand, Grand Maester Pycelle where Tywin says, hey, I'm, I, you're not fooling me. I know you're not hunched over and as old and out of shape and, and, and broken as you're playing. And Pycelle stands up straight. Uh, it never really played out the, in the story, so I guess that's why they cut it. 
But it's interesting. But I didn't need it in the show, I guess. I would have liked it if it was. So maybe that's some of the stuff, too. Maybe if I had seen in Attack of the Clones, Padme go home and talk to her mom and sister about whether Annie has a crush on her, I would have been like, well, that's a key scene. But there's nothing I've seen so far, even in the Force Awakens stuff, that I, I think definitely should have been in there. Even the speeder scene. Uh, which we saw a very, very early version on. And, you know, you there's a lot of action in the movie, and that was repetitive um, or not necessary to the action in the story at the time. So that is my uh, that is my look on deleted scenes. I didn't mean to go into a, a monologue on deleted scenes today, but uh, but I did, and I have, and I hope you enjoyed it. So check them out. Hey, on uh, Twitter. At hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Um, I talked about names last week and asked you guys to give me some of your names. Uh, your favorite names in Star Wars. And uh, Sully Richard, at Sullivan Richard, he checked in with a bunch. Some of my favorite Star Wars names. Sabolba, Akbar, Mace Windu, Tarkin, Lando, and he says, obviously... Obi-Wan, as in Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's definitely a Star Wars name. Weird at the time. Again, I'm sure if we'd, if we'd all been around in this kind of social media scoops, movie scoops age, we would have been like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, that's a stupid name. But we love it. Sebulba, I actually agree. Sebulba's a good name. He's a particularly mean dung. Uh, I, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, Akbar, Admiral Akbar, that's a great name. I love that. Akbar. Mace Windu. Glad it wasn't Mace Windy, but I like Windu. And Tarkin is a good one, too. I think all Star Wars Imperial villains should be measured by Tarkin. That's a powerful, strong name. Better than Tag or Moti. General Veers is a good name. Moff Jer Gerard's a good name. But Tarkin, that is the man at the top. And Lando Calrissian. Absolutely a spectacular name. Thank you, Sully Richard, at Sullivan Richard, for checking in. Guys, that is my ramblings for the week. I appreciate it. Don't forget our hashtags, Spotlight Star Wars, to join the conversation, continue the conversation, and talk to me. If you give me a good enough question, I will answer it on air. That's right, into a microphone. And don't forget our other hashtag, Give Us Kenobi. It's the official Force Center podcast feed hashtag to campaign for an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. Though our, our listener Mark Gambles at MarkGambit87, he says, Am I the only person who doesn't want an Obi-Wan film? He wants a Judge uh, Dredd or Dredd-style Boba Fett movie. Um, you know what, Mark? Teach his own, number one. And no, you're not. I've heard other people who are like, Eh, Obi-Wan in the desert. I don't think there could be much out there. I love it. I'm big into it. I know Scrimshaw's big into it. A lot of people out there are very much into the Obi-Wan Kenobi film. But, Mark, you are not alone. Don't feel like you are. It's a big Star Wars fandom out there. And I have heard people question whether or not there could be an actual movie. Dread-style Boba Fett movie? Interesting. I see, personally, I, I've kind of had enough of Boba Fett. Don't need him stretched out over a two-hour movie. But, Mark, again, you're not alone. A lot of people looking forward to a Boba Fett movie and definitely the galaxy's favorite bounty hunter appearing some more. Guys, that is the show for this week. Thank you so much for listening, as always, to 
Spotlight Star Wars, and the Force Center podcast feed. More shows coming. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and rate and review. I cannot tell you how much that helps us. If you can take that moment, even if it's a a five-star rating and the review is me Star Wars-like, I don't care. It helps us. We're on Podomatic and Stitcher as well. And, uh, of course, uh, be sure you check this Tuesday, if you're listening uh, in somewhat real time, the Force Center main show, Joseph, Jennifer, and I talk a little bit more about those Rogue One names and uh, break down Star Wars news and talk about Star Wars in social media. So it's going to be a great episode uh, for you guys there. Until next time, I'm Ken Napsock, at Ken Napsock across all social media platforms, and this has been... Spotlight Star Wars made that force thing kind of sort of always remain around you. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.